Welcome to Brad Scott Live. Let's get a quick everybody's thoughts on Scientology. Yeah, and um, um, you guys, do you guys like know all the lore? You don't have time for for yeah. all the lore. Yeah, Give us your quick thoughts. I said your quick thoughts, okay. and you quick start thought. off with, "Do you know the history, sir?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think. I mean. They're like Mormons, but funnier. It it, uh, it has like it has like the sci-fi nerd spin on it. Like imagine if like Star Wars fans actually believed. Problem with your generation, degenerate. I literally said your quick thoughts on sorry, Scientology, sorry, sorry, sorry. and you tried to give us the entire fucking uh, Wikipedia lore, and then I said no, just your quick thoughts. And somehow you still tricked me into giving a response where you were just giving the goddamn history. So, what are your quick thoughts, BJ? Great at real estate. Well said. Did you see that? I want you to start taking notes. <laughs> if I have to take notes, I'm not being so old. Goddamn it. You have the look of a Scientologist. <laughs> Welcome to Brad Scott Live. Welcome to Brad Scott Live. On this episode, I talked to a good friend of mine, Katie Finley Schwartz. We went to high school together, and she now works with Kick It. It is a group that provides support and help to homeless teen youths here in the Indianapolis area. Talked to her about what causes some of these teens to become homeless, what they do to help them. And it's just a very, very interesting conversation. She's an amazing person. She does amazing work. And I'm going to have her on the show, hopefully, more going forward, just talking about any and everything, because she's a very, very funny, interesting person. And I think this is a really good conversation, and it talks about an issue that means a lot to me, and I want to help bring awareness to in any possible way I can. Thank you again for listening. Please check out the social media at Brad Scott Live. Please share this show with your friends. We've been putting out some content that was created during the pandemic as of recent. If you haven't checked out the sequel machine episodes, I highly recommend those. It's myself, producer Will from the Smiley Morning Show here in Indianapolis, and Corey Miller from the Breakdown Podcast. The three of us talk about movie sequels and so much more. I told a story recently on an episode about an RV trip to the Grand Canyon with my ex-girlfriend's family, and we asked the question, do you sleep with a TV or a phone on or anything? Or are you a sociopath? So check out those episodes. We're also going to be putting out a lot more content moving forward. So please, again, follow the show at Brad Scott Live on all social media. And please follow, subscribe, whatever they ask you to do on these podcast networks. And share it with a friend. So please enjoy this episode with Katie Finley Schwartz. Tell me about Kick It and what you do for them. 
Well, I was using some popcorn in my mouth, so hold on a second. All right, let me let me stall. Yeah, that was actually <laughs> my fault as, as a host. Uh, that's on me. So Kick It is an organization that works with homeless youth in Johnson County in central Indiana. We work with young adults ages 16 to 25, and I have the honor to serve as the executive director for Kick It. How do you meet? The kids who are homeless, I can't imagine it's a very easy thing for kids to come out and talk about themselves. Actually, you'd be surprised. Most of the young people come to us. They find us through Google or social media. Uh, sometimes we get referrals from school counselors or even uh, juvenile detention or through, like, the police department if they come across, like, a family who's struggling. But most of the young people find us through a uh, Google search, which has kind of been surprising to sort of come to that realization. And what do they say when they do reach out to you? Do they give you the their story? Are they, are they What kind of help are they asking for? So it's a little bit of everything. I think they don't come off, you know, come out of the shotgun telling us everything. There's, you know, some trauma and pride before they like tell us everything but most of the times um they come to us because they're homeless or they've been kicked out of the home or wherever they were staying is no longer an option so a lot of times um the number one thing we get asked for is housing um they've been either kicked out of their parents home or the guardian's home or maybe they were couch surfing with a buddy and that's no longer an option Sometimes young people are staying with someone who has Section 8 housing, and if they are discovered um, and that um, limit has been surpassed, then they can't stay there anymore. So helping them find another place to live. Um, but our organization does a lot of things other than just housing. We help them find jobs. We help them um, access mental health resources and counseling. We have a washer and dryer. We have a shower. Uh, we just really offer a safe space to be, to kind of walk the journey of um, where they're at and, and what the next step is. So uh, we have food pantry, uh, a little bit of everything, honestly, at the youth center. When you say that a lot of them are being kicked out of their house, I'm guessing you probably get a lot of kids that are part of the LGBTQ uh, community. Yes, we do. Actually, um, statistics would back that up. Um, I would say a solid, I think statistics, I don't know for sure off the top of my head, but I think it's like 60 to 70 percent of young people are kicked out of the home or asked to leave the home because they do identify LGBTQ. And while that may be a hard pill for some people to swallow, we see that 100 percent in our own community that um, young people try to disclose um, a gender identity to a family member. Um, or to a guardian, and then they are asked to leave. And that is a hard reality that we face in our community. These are teenage kids being asked to leave their household by the people that they're supposed to inherently trust more than anyone else in the world. You know, Brad, I have children of my own, and so, you know, it's hard for me as a mom or just even as a human being with a heart to just really wrap my head around um, that whole piece, you know, so many of the young people who come to us, I feel like are, are lost and, and maybe 
lost, not even just like physically, like where do I go, but emotionally lost, like who am I and where is safe and who is safe because uh, they are being rejected by the people who are supposed to love and nurture and encourage them. And so um, I really have worked hard the last few years of trying to create a, a culture and a space and an organization that is welcoming to everyone um, for these young people to know like, hey, we care about you as a human being and we want to help you and welcome you, um, whatever that might look like and, and, and walk with you and help you find a place to sleep. Um, there's a lot of talk about housing first model, um, but I really believe in that. And so um, the whether or not they've been kicked out because of just because of a gender identity um, of that disclosure, but there's all kinds of trauma and neglect and abuse, whether it's verbal or physical or sexual. Um, every single story that I've ever heard has shattered my heart. And every time I think I, I can't hear another story that's more heartbreaking, I do. And so it's it's just really opened my eyes to really the need for just kindness and, and love. How has your perspective on the homeless community changed uh, from before working with Kick It to now? You know, I think, honestly, I I get really frustrated with, um, one, right, my perspective before was, did it really, does it even exist? Did it really exist? Because I think when we think about homelessness, instantly we, we have this perception and, and a mental image of a urban homelessness of people under drunk, bridges. Drunk Vader just outside of a liquor store downtown. Right, like that's just fully grown adult men. I think is probably the 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 stereotype cliche. When you say homeless, you think man, long beard, ratty clothes, older though, much older. You're right. When most people say homeless, I don't imagine that they think teenager. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I think that's been like one of the biggest things that like I've learned right off the bat. Um, one of the things. I have recently learned is like in Indiana, so the state that we live in, um, the average age, the average age of homelessness is seven. Um, and so uh, it, wait, wow, seven, seven. So wow, how is a seven-year-old? That just blows my mind. How how is a seven-year-old even like? How is it possible for kids that age to go? What are the the what happens? So I think so. I think it's just a testament that um, there are young people with children who are homeless. So, like, I think it kind of blows away that you know mental image of like homelessness is not just the older person that we tend to think of that's homeless on the streets. Homelessness is young people, it's families, it's children um, who are couch surfing they're living in a motel they're doubled up with someone else they're living in their car um i think one of the biggest barriers is because we don't see it on the streets because it's not right in our face it's this out of sight out of mind which makes it really hard to advocate for the people who need services and supports because it's just not there we just don't see it in front of us 
Um, so my perception on homelessness has just drastically changed. My rose-colored lenses from Citizen Kane are like way gone. <laughs> uh, we we so as the audience knows, I'm terrible with production, and we actually had an entire interview uh, a couple weeks ago, and then unfortunately, because uh, we our producer uh, is an idiot, it was me, <laughs> um, and. The the audio was not able to be salvaged, so it's work hard to do. But we talked about this before, and you were talking about kind of one of the barriers you have to cross is the stigmatizing that comes with homeless. Do you think the term homeless, like maybe if we would refer to especially teens who are in that situation and we as sleeping rough, what do you think about maybe trying to normalize that term? Um. Yeah, I mean. It kind of it describes the situation more than the person is. I think the idea. It's uh, in Europe. That's how they refer to homeless. They don't say homeless. They say you're sleeping rough. Which I think it's just. I think it's more humane. It's it's more gentle. I think honestly, we use so many different words and terminologies in like my everyday verbiage with it. I think. Um, the situation and the culture of homelessness um, post-pandemic is going to have to change um, because right now in the state of Indiana, there's like over 600,000 Hoosiers at risk of losing their homes because of the, you know, ongoing economic impact. And so, some of the new words coming out or new terms coming out are like unstably housed, right? It's describing like the situation, um, sleeping rough, couch surfing. Um, I, I think any and all of those sort of capture it. I think the, the bigger barrier to that is getting, um, the wave makers and game changers on board and their eyes open to the actual issue in the political realms. Um, I see the glass ceilings and the limitations of impact on the nonprofit side. So whatever word we want to use is getting the people in the hot seats of, of actual change to be on board with it. Um, what you know, changes that, need to be made? We need to have affordable housing, like in our own community. We need to have a shelter or permanent supportive housing. We don't have that at all in our community. Um, access to mental health is a, is a big piece to that, recognizing the issue and the impact. There's lots of language and words and people talking about it in conversations and conversation is a great first step, but unless we're willing to take action, um, nothing, the people are still going to be hurting. And I feel like we also, it just seems like there's a lot of aspects of life that are almost just like challenging intentionally. It's like a punishment. If you're not at a certain point financially, you know, it's almost as if every, Everything becomes much more difficult, and it feels a lot of times like it's it's like it doesn't there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of willingness to kind of give you know to help people who truly need it. Uh, just like again, it feels like everything becomes much more difficult when you do. And it's I feel like it's super easy, and a lot of people I'm sure because of the pandemic fell because it's it's so much easier in life to get ahead when you're even. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually honestly fairly easy to get ahead when you're even. Um, it's almost impossible, it feels like at times. And for most people, I think this is the case. It's almost impossible to get to even when you're behind. hundred percent. When you're trying to climb out of that hole, it is almost, it, it just feels like it's almost impossible. That's one of, I think, the first and fast lessons I learned, right? The getting stuck part. It's very easy to have the mentality of, like, well, suck it up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move forward. Or people are homeless because they want to be. And I, yeah, and I sometimes do these things, like these think about it videos on our Facebook page at Kick It, but like, there's a, a not so great motel near us in our community. And so one of the things that we do at Kick It is we will help people pay for like a motel room just to get them out of the streets or off the whatever. And the, the weekly rate the, the, and the overall monthly like rate, right? So it's like $350 for the week for a one, a one bed for a bedroom and a bathroom and a, wow. A microwave. And while while the town, for the most part, is safe, this hotel area is not. It almost becomes like its own community, which is very because people that are getting a lot of people that be that desperate are going to be dangerous. Yeah, it's like crime ridden, drug infested, like not clean. I would never stay there. I wouldn't stay there if it was like three hundred and fifty a night, and like you know, I just would never stay there. And so when I did the math, I was like, oh, my God, that's $1,400 a month. That is my – that was my mortgage payment for my three-bedroom, three-bathroom home. And so, like, when I did the math, I was like, these people are working at low-paying jobs, walking to work, barely making ends meet, and they're paying $1,400 a month for this hotel room. Like – that very much helped me open my eyes, and I'm like, they're not homeless because they want to be homeless. Like, they're barely making it by. Like, they're spending every penny to be off the streets. Like, that's how people get stuck. Well, and honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, even if – so let's say you have an unexpected expense come up once, you know, in a while – your mortgage, you get a lot more leeway. You could be two, three months late on it and make it up when you get your quarterly bonus. Whereas the hotel we're speaking of, that three fifty is due every week. Katie, I really appreciate it. And tell people where they can get more information about Kick It and where they can help out. Thank you for having me. They can learn more about Kick It on our website at www dot kic-it.org.